0: Hello, and welcome to the Bookish Banter Podcast, where we'll be sharing our opinions about our favorite books, authors, and bookish impulse buys. Follow along on our journey to finishing and sharing our endless TBR. Go ahead and subscribe, leave us a review, and follow us on our Instagram and TikTok at the Bookish Banter Podcast. Let's get started. Hello, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. I am so excited. I have a special guest on today. If you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, say hello. Hello. Hey, my name is Morgan
1: Hubbard. I am an indie author and my debut book just came out on March 14th.
0: That is so exciting. <laughs> what has it been like for you kind of going through this whole process? Are you having a lot of fun? Was it a little stressful? I can't imagine putting out a book all on my own.
1: <laughs> Definitely a little bit of both. It's a good mix of stress and excitement. A lot of, I think all of it happened super fast. Like it It's been a full year or so, but it's happened so fast in the sense that like, I feel like in the past couple of weeks, I'm like, oh man, like it's here, it's now. (laughs) But yeah, it's been super cool. And the stress has been minimal considering all of the hoops that you have to jump through with indie publishing and all that. So with the book, I've had so many friends on like bookstagram that I've met like authors and stuff. So it's been great. They've been super helpful and guiding me along the process and getting me to where I am today.
0: So it's been awesome. That's awesome. It's always good to have support, especially people who understand what you're going through. So that is really good to hear so that you've said that. Yeah, <laughs> it makes it much more difficult when you don't know how to go about it and then you have no one to ask. So. you feel a fish out of water. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just here. <laughs> awesome. So we'll start with our token four questions and then we'll move Wait. into the nitty gritty. So the first one is, what is your favorite standalone? Okay,
1: favorite standalone, try to think of the books I reread. I'm a rereader, so I will often reread things. So if I know, I know it's good if I reread it. So I've reread Dracula like three or four times now. So that's a classic, but I love it so much. Um, oh. It's probably the only thriller that I am obsessed with. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Dracula is a favorite. If we're talking nonfiction, I think most nonfictions
0: are standalones. <laughs> yeah.
1: I would say probably God Has a Name by John Mark Comer. I reread that one a couple times as well too.
0: Yeah, Dracula is an interesting choice. Like I read it a long long time ago and I feel like it's one of those ones where like it's a classic for a reason, but at the same time like it is so classic that it's really fun yeah. to read and like I think I don't know. I think we all kind of struggle with classics, so it's sure. definitely in that vibe of like, I can't actually read this one.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think the thing that surprised us so, me and my husband listened to it on audio around mm-hmm. like Halloween, like for the first time a couple years ago. And when we were listening to it, I'm like, this is like, this is where all of the vampire knowledge comes from. Like, yeah. forget. Else. <laughs> this is like the thing that made it famous. And it was you know high stakes the whole time and you're like well it's this guy's travel journal psych and so just all of that whole it's a whole roller coaster and I think we like we just loved it whereas I feel like a lot of classics that are popular are usually slower paced like emotional character driven yes. things so it was surprising to see a classic that was very action-packed
0: yeah it it, it is very action-packed and I agree I, I feel like for me like Call the Wilds, probably my favorite And that's another one that's, like, very action-packed. Like, I can't do the slow burn, like... Yeah. (laughs) I'm in it for the character development. Like, I don't care. (laughs) Not true about every other novel, but, like, classics for me. Classics, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay, cool. So second to that, what is your favorite series?
1: Okay, I'll struggle with this question. There are so many good ones. So many good series. I feel like that's a popular thing to write these days, too. So I have a lot of friends that are writing series, and all of those are, like... Some of my favorites, but I think top two series ever. Lord of the Rings is what really got me into reading, writing, travel, all that jazz has been, I mean, it completely changed my life. And like, I know a lot of people can't get through reading those. And so I just ate it up. I read so fast. And like, I was probably in like sixth or seventh grade. So I was like young when I read them It just got obsessed with them. And then In recent years, I have loved, there's a middle grade series called Green Glass House. And it's like probably one of the better written middle grade books that I've seen. Kate Milford is the author of those and she's just great. I love all of her books.
0: Oh, that sounds really fun. Yeah. I recently went back and reread like not Percy Jackson, but the series after it, the Roman God one. And I was like, I'm really missing out on like my middle grade era. Like I I missed out. I'm like all of these books are so good, and now it came out in like I don't know 2015 or 2016. Forever so like real, yeah. yeah, I was like way too like way too old to have just like stumbled upon it. But yeah, sure. it's always good to like it's really nice to find a good middle grade that you can like obsess over and that it's it holds up when you reread it.
1: For sure, and it's yeah. like I, I appreciate middle grades for their lightheartedness a lot of times they like address hard issues but in a light way and I love that sometimes if I'm like I've read three dark
0: fantasy books in a row I need something that's not so heavy I need this to end well so I'll be reading this (laughs) I need the biggest issue to be like the boy doesn't like the girl like that's exactly exactly (laughs) I love that awesome so who is your ultimate book boyfriend
1: oh gosh the big question Um, (laughs) So I thought about this, just in general, for a long time, I think I didn't have like a favorite character. Again, I think Aragorn has been like my dude since forever, but (laughs) but like recently, so three of my friends that are indie authors have come out with some really great books. So Vanessa Rassanen wrote Ashling Sea series, so in like On These Black Sands, she has like the three main characters that are guys are all great. They're all just perfection. So Declan, Adler, and Tommy. And then my friend Italia wrote Girls of Salt and Sea. And Hatch in that one is just mind-blowing. He's the best. Um, and, then, and then from Brian McBride's Mammoth series, I think Tommy, he's like the central character, is just really well-written for like a YA series. He's, he's the best. So those would be my, my top three. However, I don't know which one I would pick.
0: (laughs) It's too hard to decide. Too too hard, hard. too hard. hard. Yeah. (laughs) That's totally fine. I have not read any of those, but I've definitely heard of most of them and I feel like they've all gotten reviews. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've definitely seen These Black Sands. That that's what it's called, right? Yeah on These I've, Black Sands, yeah. Yeah. I've seen that one a ton. So I do and I've heard nothing but good things. It's, it's on so my
1: good. Love those. Is she her last her last book in that series comes out in August of 2023? So yeah. it's coming. It's I'm gonna it's gonna rip my heart out and put it back in. So it's gonna be fine.
0: <laughs> You're like, I'm ready for it's it so to never end. It. yeah. <laughs> I'm ready, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Ready? Not ready. Yeah, I love that. Okay. So who's your ultimate book
1: girlfriend? Another from On These Black Sands. Aoife is probably one of my favorite female characters written. Me and a friend have talked a lot about how female characters are always like hit or miss because sometimes they're like emotionless, like I'm a tough girl. And then uh, some of them are like super emotional, like I just cry all the time and I'm weak and I need like all the help. And it's like, I love a good balance of that. Like someone who's tries and like is actively like trying to be a good person, or like try to like c- accomplish their goal, but then also it's like, hey, I do need help. It's <laughs> like willing to admit that. So Eva hits like both of those for me. I also think Annabeth Chase from the Percy Jackson series is also a great character. I love her character. Yeah, and then like Lydia from the Mammoth series by Brian McBride, also a great character for that of like the balance between like, yes, I'm strong, but I know when I need help, or like I'm okay to like cry sometimes. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it is really hard to find like a good mix, especially I feel like in this there's was like a generation of really weepy female characters that were like, yeah. What was me? And the man like has to help. And yep. yeah, I'm not usually a big fan of like female main characters, but I yeah, it's getting better. So
1: it's getting better. I think it's on the up the uphill. Yeah, it's on
0: the <laughs> it's on the up and up. That's yeah, totally fair. Those are really great choices. I like that. So can you tell us a little about yourself and how you got started in your writing journey?
1: Well so I have been writing stories since I was little. Like I used to write just on copy paper, <laughs> like at my grandparents' house. But I seriously started writing like stories, like longer stories. When I was in middle school, right after I finished reading Lord of the Rings, that kind of spurred me like, oh, you can create a whole world just with like writing. So I started writing I didn't, I don't even want to say seriously. I just started writing in middle school. And then um, a friend and I would like write stories and send them back and forth during like seventh and eighth grade. And then I pretty much stopped writing throughout high school and like college because I was like, Ugh, like, I don't have time for this. Like I'm doing all homework and like essays and college things and just like overwhelmed by a lot of things. So I kind of stopped and then in 2020, of course, when the world shut down, I had nothing else to do. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, I've had this like story idea in my head and ended up drafting a story that has not been published. And I don't know that it will be, but it kind of got me in that groove of writing, got me on bookstagram, got me connected with people. And uh, I wrote this curse line, the book that just came out uh, March 14th. I wrote that one this past, well, I guess not this past November a year and a couple of months ago, my husband and I had just moved to Texas and like just gotten married. And then two days later moved to Texas and I didn't have a job, didn't have anybody I knew in the town. And so for like a month I was just sitting at home or like driving to a coffee shop just to read, just to read in a different room. I just need to do something. And so I had all this like pent up Creative energy and probably just pent up energy. Period <laughs> sitting all day and not doing anything, and uh, ended up writing this curse line in three months, and then ended up revising it through that whole year. And then I was connected with a group of authors, so Vanessa Rassanen who wrote on these Black Sands, and then Natalia Macias Lucia who wrote Girls of Salt and Sea, and then a couple other girls. We all had this big like author chat where we just talk about the woes of writing and be like wow like I have zero words written this week (laughs) like we need to do some writing sprints or something and so ended up getting encouraged a lot in that group to pursue publishing it's not like it's not this like random far out thing you could do it now you could do it in a few months like you can actually get published and that's something I didn't think would be possible like even when I was a kid, I was like, "I'm just writing for fun. I like this. it's fun for me. <laughs> I'll just write this story down. it'll be great and then just being connected with those girls kind of showed me that you can do it. They've been successful enough to either like quit their day jobs or like really pursue it, and they have multiple books out and that was something that encouraged me to say, like, "Hey, you can do this. like your writing is good enough. like a lot of them had read it and or like read parts of it. And just, they really helped me through that and figure out like the little potholes of indie publishing of like, hey, like you could go this way, or you could go this way. And like, here's all the things you can do. Here's all the things you maybe shouldn't do. Or if you're doing traditional publishing versus indie publishing, there's a lot of different options. And so it can be overwhelming and overstimulating to be like, there's a hundred things I need to research. <laughs> so having someone like that was really just instrumental in getting me to where I am.
0: Yeah. And it's crazy because I feel like years ago, it was really hard to kind of find that information and like go on that journey of becoming an indie publisher. And like, I think it was just one of those things. There wasn't a lot of information out there in the world. And it's so fun, especially for everyone that's like come back and found reading in the pandemic and like, you know, the bookish interwebs and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's so great to see so many indie authors coming out of this and being able to like find that info and supporting each other. And like, I know for us as readers, like, it's so cool to get to see you guys come into your own and, like, go from the writing process to publishing to, like, being successful and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, I'm really glad that you were able to find people and kind of work your way through deciding how you wanted to publish it. It's definitely, um, it's a lot.
1: (laughs) I think, too, just recent, like, the recent past couple of years with indie publishing, it's been interesting I've seen a lot of people equate it to like the music scene yeah, where it's yeah. a lot easier to create music and just publish it on Spotify and get super famous on like Spotify or Instagram or TikTok for making one song. And in the same way, indie books are like releasing and people are finding them and realizing that like, oh, like you don't have to be under a huge publishing house to like have a good book or a good story and think that's super cool and I really can't wait to see what happens because I'm like I feel like like big things are happening in the publishing industry with like just all of the everything under the big umbrella of publishing just there's just a lot of cool stuff going on
0: yeah and it's and it is so much easier to kind of get your word out there without having to pay which is really cool and I think that that gives everyone an advantage and like we're getting the books out that we all wanted and like you guys as authors are the readers that are reading these books and like creating them. And I think it makes such a fun and interesting dynamic because we're getting, you know, you're putting out a book that you want to read instead of it going through, you know, a million edits and having to be part of the big five and like all those sorts of things. And I think it's so fun to like hear more about the process. And I'm like so happy as a reader to be able to have, you know, the opportunity to chat with you guys as indie authors and like help you guys out and promote you and like read your books and things, because this is like what we want to read. And I guess, yeah, you're right. There's so many things that are happening within the publishing world and like indie publishing houses coming out and like you guys being able to self-publish and all that kind of stuff. And it's really cool. Awesome. Yeah. So what has it been like for you being an indie author on the bookish interwebs? Like you said you had a bookstagram. Do you also have book talk? Is that something you want to dabble in? (laughs) (laughs) I created one and have like two videos. I
1: mainly have been on Instagram hoping to be on book talk i'm not super sure a lot of instagram knowledge does not cross over to tiktok which is interesting and so it's got yeah. a lot of <laughs> learning curves so i've been like pause this while i publish this book and <laughs> come back to it so it's been on hold but i'm mainly on um on bookstagram i do have like a newsletter i send out every month and so that's kind of like my personal little bubble so like just mainly catching up and things that I don't also like, I don't often share yeah, on yeah. Instagram or just like music recommendations, book recommendations and stuff like that, but mainly just Instagram.
0: That's awesome. And you've been having a good time on there.
1: <laughs> it's been great. Yeah. It's been awesome. I've met some super cool people, like actually met people in person too. So
0: um,
1: like when we were living in Texas, I met Sweet Sequels, and then, or like Haley from Sweet Sequels, and uh, I've met my friend Jordan Camo, who's where Joe writes, and she lives in Louisiana. So like, there's lots, tons of people all over that I've gotten to meet in person, and it's been fantastic. Like my, I have a pen pal who lives in Kentucky, and like got to meet her in person, <laughs> and like all sorts of like strange connections, and it's been really fun. Just like, I, I don't know, it's just been. You know, you're told when you're a kid, like, oh, don't make friends on the internet. Like, it's super scary. (laughs) And then you're an adult, you're like, oh, okay. Like, I understand. But also, like, look at all my
0: internet friends. Yeah, like, listen, there's no way that you were catfishing me. There's, you know, too many intimate details about these characters. There's no way. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. That's so fun. That's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about your debut novel, This Curse Line. Can you give us a brief, spoiler-free synopsis?
1: Yeah, so basically it's about a family line that's been indebted to the devil for like a couple, like a century and a half. So 150 years, just been working as like servants to the devil, doing all the dirty deeds, all of the things that the devil needs accomplished and wants a human hand rather than his own. So the story follows the main character, Pike. It's his last name. So his name's Alexander Pike the Sixth, And he goes by Pike. And throughout the whole story... It's really about, it's happens in one month. So it's November of 1879 and it's just following him kind of realizing that he has choices and choices have consequences and, um, kind of following his thought process when he meets several different people that have different views on life than he does and how that affects his own view on his own life and his circumstance.
0: I love that. That was a great synopsis. (laughs) Yeah, I had so much fun reading this one. What made you decide to write it from a male POV? I thought that was really interesting. And I love that because my favorite books are a lot of my favorite books are written in that perspective. So I'm really curious.
1: So I would never have dared. So the book that I wrote in 2020 from a girl's perspective, and I I mean that's natural for me, of course, but like I was writing this one. And at first I I started Writing it kind of omniscient to like know like everybody's thoughts, and I was like, I don't think that's cool enough. I feel like that's just like you know too much at that point Mm -hmm. as the reader. And so, I decided to just write it from Pike's perspective. His character is the first thing that I found from like the whole story. Like, the first main thing that I picked out was just a guy in a really rough spot that just had a lot going on and it was like weighing heavy on him and uh yeah I don't know it's like I call it author magic so the author magic of like when you're in the middle of drafting and you're like oh my gosh I had no idea like something hits you (laughs) um and you're like I have to change the story now like this has to like work around this because that's perfect and that's totally what happened so like kind of the author magic of like oh the story's about him it's not like uh you know, random story following a couple people. It's really just his story. Um, so yeah, that's why that's kind of why I chose to focus just on him.
0: That's awesome. Did you feel like you struggled a little bit, or was it pretty easy since you knew this yeah. storyline? So
1: I definitely struggled. So my husband read it, and at one point he was like you did really well. Like this is a really good story. There are parts that aren't what guys would say. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. I do need to remember that. Stereotypically, I think guys don't share emotions on the edge of their sleeve. So I did want Pike to be I felt like he would be a little reserved, but when he found someone he would open up to, he would be honest, and that meant being vulnerable, which is hard. But like some of the other characters, I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta change some dialogue here. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs>
0: I love that. Well, you did a great job. I was definitely convinced that it was, it could have been written by someone with a, an, an intuition into the male perspective. So I love that. What made you decide to set it in the like 1800s in the U S and you know, that kind of theme, because I feel like historical fiction, we usually get, I, it always reminds me of like London. Like we're always getting yeah. Europe in historical fiction. So what made you decide to choose the Americas in the 1800s?
1: Yeah. So this is my, my personal opinion. <laughs> I am not a fan of, like, war historical fiction, and I feel like that's most of it. Like, there's, it's difficult to find historical fiction that's not fa- focused on, like, World War One, World War II, or, like, like Spanish Civil War, or our Civil War, and, like, just all of the wars. <laughs> so it was, like, I wanted, like, I wanted to write a story that didn't take place with technology, like, or technology as we know it. That would be, I think, a lot harder to write. It'd be an interesting thought process of what would happen if this story was in the 2000s rather than the 1800s. But the Civil War, you know, happened like 1860s. And so I wanted to do a story kind of like after the rebuild a little bit after everything settled from that and president switch over and all that jazz. So for the most part, I've had people ask me, so I'm from East Tennessee, which is like Belatcha area right at the base of the Smoky Mountains and I had a lot of people that were like why didn't you base it here it's like it just that wasn't where he's from like I don't know I don't know what to tell you um and so I ended up wanting to kind of showcase sections of the U.S. throughout the story so um it takes place it starts out he's in like the like New England area and briefly and then goes to alabama and then north carolina and then like oklahoma and montana and then he's from washington and so it goes kind of all over and some of the places are from like direct experience so like specifically the north carolina and oklahoma and like i've been to alabama as well but like the specifically those two were the longest portions took place there i think Mm -hmm. like throughout the whole book like those are the the most chapters happened in like those two sections. And then I also like Washington, but I think a lot of it was from seeing those places and really wanting to capture the atmosphere and also like the people, but also the characters. I'm very much a character driven author. My characters kind of drive the story. And so I'm thinking, okay, like what's the most like posh place that's not like Manhattan in, you know, the 1870s. And so I was like, man, I think it'd be fun to do like a real Southern, like very fancy town. That's where Greenwich came from. All the towns are fictional. They're not, they're not real towns, but they're based on real places. So I would, I will say that. But yeah, I think I just really wanted to showcase America, like after the war and kind of before the turn of the century where everything kind of exploded with new, new things and like new technology and new building and, and also kind of starting until like World War One era there too, so
0: Yeah, I really liked that. I thought it was so interesting, like when I got started reading, because, you know, the towns are fictional. And I was like, where are these places? And then you said, and I was like, Oh, I really like that. Because, yeah, it is an interesting, like a time in our history, where I feel like we don't really see a lot of these like fictional books about it, that doesn't focus so much on like one specific place, one, or doesn't, like you were saying, doesn't, you know, kind of focus on war, or just a romance. I feel like, you know, we do get a lot of that, like, romance, but it's, you're not getting a a great description of the world and like where it's at. And I really liked that. I thought it was so interesting because you have a lot of opportunities for Pike to get into situations where he just talks his way out of it because it's 1870, (laughs) which (laughs) I thought was really cool. So where did you, you know, get the inspiration for that? Or what kind of research did you do for this time period?
1: So, So one of my beta readers was really great and like reminding me of problems where I wasn't... Being like historically accurate. And so I like to, I made a reel about this on Instagram because I was, I wanted to make it abundantly clear that this wasn't supposed to be like a very 100% accurate, like historical fiction. Like it wasn't right. meant to be 100% like waterproof, if, if, if yeah. for like a better term. Um, but I do have like certain specific things. So, like, there's a lot of talk about like, cassie's gloves when they're sitting down for dinner and like like about dresses and stuff so like a lot of the colors and like mentioning stripes being in fashion and things like that they're just like little pieces here and there to make it feel a little more like old-timey but the language is very modern yeah and i that's another thing when we were talking about classics you know being classics sometimes they're really hard to read and as a reader, I appreciate when classics are written like that. But when a modern book is written in like a classic format, it's very difficult for my brain to like set in to it. So like if it's historical fiction, a lot of it is still modern language, even if it's 100% like historically waterproof. And so I still wanted to write a, an interesting story, but it is historical fantasy. And so <laughs> there's a my husband read the book Babel and I still haven't read it, but I'm really excited about it. But the author was just talking about how he's like, Hey, I've researched a bunch of this. Like I'm studying for like a PhD right now. Like I've done a lot of the research I've chosen to like pull things up a couple years or like pull things back a couple years or kind of mix things up a little bit. She's like, just politely remind yourself that it is fiction.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I, was like,
1: I love that. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so like a lot of it, Was researched just like pieces here and there, so like, um, specific, it's more specific things like specific mentions of like mention a cow puncher hat, those are very special in that time. And like, um, there's at one point one of the characters says wake snakes, which was like a common phrase in like the 70s or the 1870s, (laughs) so (laughs) um, So it's stuff like that that I pulled in, but for the most part, I just wanted it to feel genuine from like the character's perspective more than i was important about like language and like what words were said when
0: yeah absolutely and i yeah i agree you did a great job at that because i definitely felt like immersed in the story and at the same time i was like i see where this is fantasy but i felt like you had done a lot of digging into like society at that time and like yeah i really felt like yeah you were kind of in the time and place as i was reading it so <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So let's talk a little bit about the magic system. There is a couple elements of magic, but it's also essentially like, you know, a little more realism, like fantasy realism. Um, so what inspired the magic system for you and how did you kind of build that?
1: So a little from like inspired from like some pieces of fantasy or like TV shows and stuff that I've seen, but also just thinking through I guess like the stereotypes of like who the devil would be and like what he would look like and my like closest representation in my head is like Jim Moriarty from the Sherlock tv show from BBC fit his physical description in my head but for like the magic side of it I wanted something that specifically could happen anywhere but there were like boundaries that were very specific so crossroads are really big and then um, also like dreams. So like when you let your guard down the most is when that, that like magic, the supernatural kind of seeps in, especially for Pike, who's, who deals with the devil on a regular basis for the the time, not time travel, but like, I guess jumping from different cities. I was just thinking in my head, I was like, you know, I think the devil's probably one of those that's like on a time schedule. Like he's got he's got plans, he's got places to be. And so when I was thinking through that, I was like, you know, I feel like he wouldn't make Pike travel by train to get somewhere. I feel like he's like, come on, let's move up, hurry faster, come on. And so um, the whole element of like leaving one place and showing up there like the next second was a choice that I made instead of real time travel. And also for it to take place within a month, I wanted it to be pretty fast paced that way.
0: Yeah, I like that. And I love when books are kind of like Supernatural, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. Like, you don't know if this is actually happening to someone around you, but at the same time, like there is that, you know, element of, fantasy that we can't explain and I I yeah. love that version or whatever that genre is so yeah I was really excited when I got started because I was like oh, yes
1: this is perfect I, I just read Invisible Life of Addie LaRue and it was so good that yeah the same the same I feel like someone recommended it from one of my Vedas was like oh you should read this one because I feel like it's pretty similar yeah which was praise phrase for Virginia <laughs> Schwab I was like oh my gosh I'm like her. Me? <laughs> Stop or it. Me? Okay. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> no, it's like wow. Okay, whew, I see myself here for a second. So, so yeah. So I ended up reading it, and it was it's really cool. And I yeah. I see the whole like Faustian deal with the devil thing it was like that's the obvious first choice of like that's definitely why it's similar. Mm-hmm. And then also just um like the character of Luke, I think is pretty similar to Silver Tongue's character yeah. in, in this curse line. So they're similar, at least in their suave,
0: sarcastic, yeah. snarky.
1: <laughs> so
0: get things done on their time kind of. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I love that. So are your characters inspired by anybody or where'd you pull your inspiration from?
1: There are a couple that are definitely inspired by people. So as I said, Silver Tongue's like physical human attributes (laughs) were um kind of pulled from jim moriarty from the bbc sherlock but the for like personality types um watson is one of my favorite characters in the entire book and my grandparent's last name is watson and so they're they pretty heavily inspired watson as like his character so watson moore's kindness and just his belief and his like strong faith mm-hmm. was all really from my grandparents um and I wanted to pull like the, the best versions of them and, like just compile it into one character um uh, and so I love Watson they've both read the book and my grandmother's quote is it's unique it's different <laughs> I'm like thanks grandmother thanks, Grandma. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah so they they pretty inspired Watson and then Hickory's character is another another of my favorites to write. So when I was 12, I took guitar lessons from this guy, this lo- local guy, local bluegrass player in my town. And I, at the time, I did not appreciate him like I yeah. should have because I was a 12 year old who just wanted to get in, get out and be done with it. And he, such a character, has like these heavy boots and just these baggy overalls, like button down shirt. Like either a ball cap or like a wide brimmed cap, beard down to his belly button, and just like very sharp blue eyes and super deep southern accent. And so <laughs> I'm like going to sit with him. He's talking about all these stories about how him and his wife backpacked Ireland and how he learned how to play music when he was a kid. And he like makes instruments now and also teaches as like lessons and stuff. And so I ever since then like I mean he's still like a character in like my family we we will often like talk about Todd and uh so Todd was a huge inspiration for Hickory and uh specifically just like his look and like he's also very like kind of mysterious and quirky and that was that's really what it was going for is to get Todd's quirkiness and um just I don't know his his goofball southern style.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's awesome. It's always fun when they're inspired by people and you're like, here's the end product and what I thought of you and that they enjoy it. So that's really cool. <laughs> um. Okay. So Pike deals with a lot of really hard choices, a lot of hard decisions, and he's kind of constantly haunted by his demons. Did you find it difficult to write about these subjects or was it something that like you just felt was right for his character?
1: It's a little bit of both. It's been funny because all of my friends are like, you don't watch horror movies. Why did you write such a dark, like kind of spooky novel? I was like, it's a great question. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, the yeah, guy, I think in the beginning, when I'd first finished drafting TCL, I was very much like in my head about, you know, it's not dark enough for something that's like about a guy who's indebted to the devil and like has all this blood on his hands. And so after that, I, between then I watched a couple movies, specifically I think The Gray Man on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it. It's really great. It's kind of like an action-packed thriller, but that the level of like the balance of like darkness with like sarcastic comments and like keeping up the comedy, I was like, that's what I want the book to be like. Is like it has like some of the lighthearted moments that are kind of balanced by the really hard, heavy, like Difficult choice moments, and so um, I definitely went back and, and adjusted some of that, and kind of adjusted pacing, so it had a nice balance of that. I know some people have said like that was a roller coaster. Like I was really hoping for like a happy ending, and like you know I'm a fan of HEAs. I'm a huge fan of HEAs. The happily ever afters get me. I I love those, and so I was like, yeah, you, like just just find out. You'll we'll have to see, but it definitely gets dark at points. And I think I surprised myself in writing those as well. But a lot of it, I think, just fit, fit his character and and what he would decide and kind of the things he would deal with in his occupation.
0: Yeah. And, you know, this is kind of a an interesting sort of vague ending. And I those are my my favorite types of ending where it's like, it doesn't necessarily need to be clean cut. But at the same time, like, I'm not left on a cliffhanger at any point. And kind I'm of like really, Addie. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like Any you're, day. you're like happy enough, but at the same time, like, I don't really like the, when they just walk off in the sunset and yep. you know, what made you decide to kind of create that style of ending and, and add that little bit of sadness and like bittersweetness sweetness for, for Pike.
1: So when, when thinking about it, I've read several books that have epilogues that are like, that walks off into the sunset, like, some of them have, like, a nice balance of, you know, there's still, like, a sadness from whatever happened, or especially if it's, like, a traumatic event. So, like, I'm specifically thinking of, like, Hunger Games. So, like, the end of that whole series is kind of like that, where there's, like, you look back on all the chaos, but then there's also kind of a happily ever after. And so I kind of wanted to do that, but I almost wanted it to be open-ended. And so that's kind of why I ended it like I did because I had several people who've read it again, like street team people and just like people who've read it early copies and stuff like that. I have heard feedback of like, Oh, like I, I didn't want it to end. Like I wanted to know what happened. And that's encouraging. Cause I'm like, wow, I guess I could write a second one if I wanted to. Cause at the moment it's just going to be a standalone, but yeah, I think especially ending it how I did leaves kind of an open door for the main characters and the decisions that happen after, um, especially especially after all that Pike goes through. Um, and so I, I'm i not gonna spoil anything, but especially after all he goes through, yeah, when he comes to the choices at the end, what he decides and like where that will take him, kind of wanted that to be up to the reader of like, what does happen? And also it is open-ended if I wanted to continue it. So
0: we'll see. That's awesome. I was going to ask if it's going to be a series or if this is it.
1: (laughs) it. I've had a lot of people, a lot of people are like, I want a Watson story. Tell me about Watson.
0: (laughs) this is a great it's really good when you have a debut and you build a great world that you can like branch off of so now you have like tons of characters that are really well developed and like everybody (laughs) loves them that you can go and make lots of books about so yeah (laughs) that'd be so fun that's
1: and i I think going back to the favorite series question at the very beginning um that's what i love about kate milford is Mm -hmm. like her, her first two books are green glass house and ghost of green glass house and then the natural one after that is Thief Knot, but there are like four or five other books that happen around them that are yeah. all like simultaneously connected so, in like, one way or the other, even if it's like one cameo here or there. And like, they don't have to be read in a certain order besides the first two. Like, I guess the first two and then Thief Knot, but they're all like connected. And I love when authors do that, when they have like different series that have like cameo characters in
0: all yeah. of them and like, I love those. Like the romance (laughs) series that like go on and on. And you're like, how do you connect 15 books? Like how? (laughs) Like
1: wait a second.
0: (laughs) I just imagine them all with like a cork board and strings and like someone telling them, no, you cannot do that. Yes. That person's in this. You're fine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Okay. So what was the hardest scene for you to write?
1: Oh man. I think the hardest one I had to map out. I'm not going to spoil it but I had to map out one of the the scenes that takes place in Washington near the end based on like where all the characters were there were a bunch of people in one room and I had to figure out where Pike was and where the other two characters on his sides where they would be and where things would be like on the table or like in the room and like how how that would function in reality if that were to have been set up how physics would work <laughs> so um so I had to I went through several drafts of that one scene and then um past that the scene that takes place in Greenwich Pike gets his broke his nose broken at one point and that that whole piece I talked to m- one of my managers at the coffee shop that I worked at in town like he was a former EMT and now he's like working in coffee and uh I was like okay Matthew, you've got to tell me, what is it like when someone breaks their nose? And he's like, blood, lots of blood. And I was like, fantastic. That's what I need. I need like a shock factor. (laughs) And so just figuring out physical things throughout the whole book is pretty hard of things that like, either I haven't experienced or I've only experienced one way or like what it's like when you have to walk 20 miles to get to a place (laughs) or, you know, something like that, like how it would how it would feel those were a little more difficult than just like sitting down having a conversation with like emotions tied in it those those come naturally
0: (laughs) yeah riding a horse and like figuring out all of that not so naturally Yeah. yeah I love that so in contrast to that what was your favorite scene to write
1: I loved I loved the the debutante ball scene just all of that was so much fun and then the climax of course was the the climax of the story I think is always my favorite I have written so I'm I'm working on a new project and I'm I got kind of like middle slump like right at the middle and I was like I'm gonna jump ahead and write the scene that I already have in my head because I know what happens it's gonna get there and so the thing that didn't happen with this curse line I wrote chronologically the whole time which a lot of authors can't do that and so I kind of surprised myself with that yeah I I don't know I think the climax was really fun to write because i I built up this whole month long of events and like finally here I am at the end of the month and like writing the big, the big scene. And so that was really, really fun. Just all of the things coming to a head, all the characters coming together and chaos. (laughs) So I would think that was my favorite.
0: Yeah. I feel like it's really fun because you, you get to like tie everything together too. And then lots of action, lots going on. And then at the same time, you're like, kind of at the end. So you're like, I don't have that much left. I'm (laughs) there's a light at the end of the tunnel. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love that. So what's next for you? You said this is a standalone, but what else is next for you in the docket?
1: Yeah. So I'm currently drafting a project that takes place in Appalachia because everyone was like, why isn't this in Appalachia? I'm like, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be my next Um one. That'll be a nice one. It's fine. So I stumbled across this legend probably a year or two ago. That's about like Celtic version of the werewolf. That's like a kind werewolf that basically brings people food if they're hungry or like helps lost travelers, like find their way back to the town. And, um, I live like 30, 45 minutes from the Appalachian trail and they're like our section of the Appalachian trail. And a lot of people go missing on the trail because it's, a lot of wilderness. <laughs> and and so I was like, you know, it would be super cool. The Appalachian area doesn't have wolves anymore. And I was like, okay, so like what if we still have wolves or like they were more common than they are? Slash, what if there were werewolves in Appalachia? Because we get a lot of like European werewolf stories and a lot of the Celts settled here when like, I don't know, 1700s, 1800s, when everyone kind of came over here. And so I think taking that and pulling that same folklore and then weaving it into a story that fits the culture here like in southern Appalachia and I've already run it by a friend that lives in like the woods of North Carolina like deep in mountains and she's like yes this is great and I'm like perfect yeah I'm doing it like this
0: is a good idea good concept <laughs> high fives <Sorry>. all around
1: <laughs> so uh so yeah I think I found twilight in 2020 which is so shocking to a lot of people and it's not what the book's going to be but in general I think I may be watching a lot of twilight in the future yeah. same <laughs> vibes, same, vibe. same vibes. you know
0: <laughs> lots of rain hiking wolves you know
1: and wolves you know danger
0: it'll be great <laughs> yeah I love that that sounds so fun yeah
1: I also my like one of my family members, we had our, our book launch party on the 13th for the book. So the day before it comes out, we all wanted to celebrate. We got a cake. It was great. While we were there, I just opened it up for questions. I was like, and if anyone has questions, I'll be happy to answer them. And so one of my family members was like, how many projects are you working on? And I was like, "Working, like actively working on or like <laughs> planned? And they were like, oh, like, well, like how many do you have planned? I'm like, I don't know, like 20, like 25.
0: Like I've got a lot of stories with here.
1: So I have plenty to work with. It's just getting them out.
0: <laughs> yeah. I always like envy you guys as authors with all of your ideas because I like don't have a single thought. I'm always just like, <laughs> wow, that is so interesting. I could never come up with that on my own. Tell me more.
1: <laughs> I I just sit and think of stories just all day long. And I think the hard part for authors is like,
0: I just want to read it. I just yeah. want to read it. I just want I just to read, read it. Out. Yeah, I've never had an original thought a day in my life, so I could never write a story. (laughs) I love that. So what advice do you have for aspiring writers, authors?
1: I suggest finding community. So one of the things I worked with Vanessa, just kind of one-on-one with like author coaching, and she walked me through all of the nitty gritty, like all of the crazy detailed stuff. So like working with Ingram Spark, which is like the publishing platform I'm using, and all the details for that and having to have specific like page counts and making sure dates are correct and how to do pre-orders and all the stuff that like I hadn't thought about. And having someone specifically to do that is fantastic. So they take a lot of stress and weight off of what am I doing? (laughs) Vanessa offers like author coaching. I know there's a ton of other indie authors that do the same because we all kind of realize like, Hey, this is a lot. (laughs) There's a lot of information out there. It's a lot of work. And if you want it to be like the trick, I think that I've seen in a lot is that a lot of indie authors are trying to make their books look more traditional to appeal to more like traditional readers. Doing that a lot is in the cover art too. And having connections in the author world of like, Hey, I use this person for this series and this person for this series for cover or for formatting. And just community is super important. So find someone who does coaching or just find a group of friends, connect with people, like genuinely talk to them, mm-hmm. become friends with people. Most people on the internet that are writing books, I think probably aren't super scary. And so like just reaching out and like talking to someone and commenting on their posts and, you know, sharing their posts and commenting on stories. I think that's super important. And like Getting connected and trying to be active, and so I, I'm sure the same thing goes for TikTok as well. Yeah. But since since I mainly use Bookstagram, <laughs>
0: <laughs> couldn't tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <I don't> <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's really great advice, and I think it makes it easier the longer you're in it to yeah to kind of build that up because you have those connections and you know that there's people that like support you. I think even for us, like, I mean, we're I always like to pretend we're all like influencers, like little baby influencers, oh, but it's my like my it's really influence. helpful. <laughs> you know, when you want things, you know, when you want like PR stuff or, you know, when you want to talk to people or when you want to promote books and things, it's like, it's so much easier to knowing that you have a community that's going to be like, yeah, Yeah. me too. Like, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so much easier. And I, and I love that. And it's awesome to hear that you've found that on the internet. I love it. Yeah.
1: Also, i have like most of my author friends write some element of fantasy.
0: Yeah. And
1: so I think that's telling in the sense that, I'm not like hardcore romance author. Mm-hmm. I love a good like romantic side plot. I think all of my books will have some element of romance in them. A lot of people who write mainly romance or like mainly historical fiction or something. Not that I am against being friends with someone, but it's a lot easier to be friends with someone who writes in your same like genre. Yeah, And yeah. so finding those people of like connecting with authors that write in a similar genre. So like, I'm friends with like Brian McBride, but he writes YA adventure stories, but they're still like that same vibe, the yeah, same aesthetic, yeah. and, like same kind of like common ground. So, yeah, so finding community, but also finding specific like niche yeah. <laughs> community. Really niche of, down. Like,
0: That's like their. Favorite, niche, it's my TikTok's favorite. <laughs> favorite word, niche down. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I was going to say, I absolutely love your cover. So, Maria Spada did. My cover,
1: she's done all of Vanessa's covers as well for the Ashling Sea series. She did Natalia's cover as well for Girls of Salt and Sea. And she's incredible. I mean, she's a wizard with like cover art. We did, I mean- a couple different versions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'd at one point was like, Oh, I don't know. Maybe the background should be red. And like, it's super not red. And so yeah. <laughs> it is brown now. Um, so I talked to my friend, Jordan, who's old enough for fairy tales on Instagram. And she put out a poll on her Instagram story and was like, Hey, like what kind of covers do you like? Do you like red covers? Like she put a couple different colors on there and overwhelmingly like dark like neutral colors mm-hmm. was like the big one that most people liked and i think that's that's another one of those publishing like trends that i've seen is like dark fantasies are super popular right now yeah. like along with like the witcher and game of thrones are out like those are super dark fantasy stories and so i think the same translates into book covers as well which is like a weird thing to think about i found myself kind of researching like tv show and movie trends as Mm -hmm. well as book trends and like music trends as well because it all kind of like entertainment kind of all blends together at some point and it's like a subconscious buying thing of like oh well i'm watching the witcher so let me buy this really dark cover that's a fantasy thing yeah like a lot of it's like simultaneous like thought process of of that so like it's stuff like that that i had no idea about until (laughs) getting into author communities (laughs) and Like, talking about book culture and, and all that. And so, yeah, the I think the cover was one of the hardest slash easiest choices because, you know, it's easy to get overwhelmed. There are hundreds of covers. You don't want to make the mistake of getting, like, I wouldn't want, like, a cover that's, like, pastel cartoon character cover because that's, like, usually lighthearted romance, like, novels. And I wanted something that fit. And so I really just kind of researched a bunch of books and, like, took pictures of like the ones that I liked. She was like,
0: here, Maria, here's the things that I like. There you go.
1: Yeah. <laughs> she worked her magic and it's awesome. And I love it so much.
0: Yeah, she did a really great job. I love it too. <laughs> That's awesome. So do you have a book tour planned? Any Instagram lives? Anything like that going on?
1: I do not. Um, I have never done an Instagram live. <laughs> I, not that I haven't wanted to, but just don't even know where to start. But uh, I had thought about it. For, like launch party stuff thought about it forgot about it I <laughs> didn't do that but I think maybe in the future for sure my my husband and I are in the middle of of moving again so we're moving to middle Tennessee and because of all of the moving I'm like well, okay like hmm, maybe we'll wait until I settle down here because like <laughs> it's packing central at this yeah. point so Too much. yeah <laughs> Like, I don't even have a
0: desk space right now. Yeah, <laughs> so. you're like, okay, I'll never mind. Next book. Next book. Okay, <laughs> I love that. Awesome. So where can everybody find you? I'm mainly on Instagram,
1: which is just Morgan Hubbard author. And my website's going to be the same. It's Morgan Mainly I interact on Instagram. Um, I'm on Facebook as well with Morgan Hubbard author, but it's pretty much most of my Instagram posts as well. I do a monthly newsletter. And that goes out usually the first week, sometimes the second week. But I talk about like author updates. And then I talk about books I've been reading and music I've been listening to. And for Christmas, I did like book gifts to get or like I listed a bunch of my friends books that I think are fun or like like, bookstores to support. And like this past newsletter, I did a muffin recipe that I just love. And that was like my my ending. I was like, "Here's the thing I've been loving: muffins." I <laughs> so, <love that. laughs> um, so yeah, that's pretty much uh, pretty much the two places that I interact the most. Again, I'd love to be. I'm, I am on Book Talk also as Morgan Hubbard author. I would love to be more active active on there. <laughs> we'll see.
0: And the names is key. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's all the same. <laughs> yeah, that's great. No, I like Book Talk is so hard, and I feel really like I've talked about this a lot. But like, I struggle with TikTok so much. Like, I don't. Mm
1: -hmm. i don't mind the
0: scrolling but like i don't enjoy like spending time on there i'm just like i have nothing to contribute to the group like i don't know why i'm here whereas like instagram it's like i could post a photo and move on and book talk just feels like a lot of work Yeah. so yeah I, I love gotta it. wait I gotta stay here yeah you you would like wait for it to post they, like they want like a what's happening right now thing like it's a it's a yeah. whole vibe there's reposting like I'm not into it like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a no for me that is awesome well I really appreciate you coming on those are kind of all the questions well, that you for I've got <laughs> yeah I really appreciate you coming on Sweet. thanks so much yeah thank you have a great day you too bye bye, bye. Thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. If you aren't following us, go ahead and follow us on TikTok and Instagram at The Bookish Banter Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. And thank you guys again for all of your support. Have a great day.